It says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, that's your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And then look at this. It says that your prayers be not hindered. So the implication there is, and we'll get to it, it's, it's late there, is, is if there's strife in marriage, if, if there's a domestic, not, not tranquility, but strife and difficulty, that you're, it can hinder your prayers from being heard. That's a serious thing. Listen, I, I, just, just a moment ago, each of us took somebody's name to the throne, didn't we? We want God to hear and answer those prayers, and all God's people said. We don't want them to be hindered. So we're going to look tonight really at hindrances to prayer. Father, bless our time in the Word of God tonight. Brief as it is, Lord, use your Word as a hammer and a fire. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So the Scriptures teach that there are some blockades to prayer. There are some things that will cause our prayers to not get past the ceiling, so to speak. So let's look at them, if we could. And we'll go all the way back to the book of Job, and then we'll take right turns. Amen? So find the book of Job, chapter 35. Job, chapter 35. Again, just a topical study on hindrances to prayer tonight. Job 35, verse 12, please. It says... There they cry, but none giveth answer because of the pride of evil men. Surely God will not hear vanity, neither will the Almighty regard it. The first thing in our life that can hinder prayer is pride. I just, just wrote a devotion for uh, my sons uh, the other, yesterday, and it had to do with pride. And I said, beware of pride. Pride is always accompanied with the wicked, with the lost, but pride is a sneaky sin for saints, too. And, and what I did was I quoted, uh, Brother Jim, I quoted First. Uh, Corinthians 15.10. You know what Paul said? I am what I am by the grace of God. If there's any good thing in me, and there's lots of rotten things in me, but if there's any good thing in me, it's because of God's grace in my life. And then Galatians 6.3 tells us, if a man think himself to be not something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself. We, we give you the scriptures there, and you can look them up on your own time. One is the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. And I'm telling you what, that Pharisee was filled with pride. All he said was, I do this, and I do that, and I do that. And I, I, again, I think I mentioned this before, but uh, he prayed exactly, he got exactly what he prayed for, which was nothing. He didn't pray for anything. All he did was tell God how wonderful he was. No. You know what it says there in 1 Peter chapter uh, 5, uh, verse 5 and 7, it says, God resisteth the proud, exalteth or giveth grace unto the humble. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I tell you what, pride will kill a prayer life. When we get to thinking we're something and God, God needs to hear our prayers, no, no. God, God, listen, God gives us breath and we owe ourselves death, that's about it, Amen. Other than that, all we are is souped up dust, and all God's people said. Yeah, pride. How about this one? Psalm 66, verse 18. 
Psalm 66. And again, you can look up these cross-references on your own. I hope you will. Even maybe just mark your Bible. By the way, I looked at some of these points as I was looking through. I had taken a picture. Uh, boy, it's been a couple of years now, but I had taken a picture in the flyleaf of Brother Bill Horsch's Bible, and he had seven prayers God will not hear. And I think each one of there's I've got 11 here, but uh, each one was on the list as I was putting it together. I was like, boy, and I looked at that and thought, amen. I miss Brother Bill. Amen. I really, really do. Uh, Psalm 66, 18. Look what it says there in Psalm 66, verse 18. It says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So what's that? That's harboring sin in our lives. Uh, years ago, my pastor used to say about the Lord's table, we'll be observing the Lord's table uh, on Sunday night here. He used to say about the Lord's table, he said, you know, we do the Lord's table, I can't remember how many times a year we did it, I think it was three, but we do it four times a year. But he said, the Lord's table is forced confession. Meaning, if I want to take the Lord's table, I've got to examine my heart and confess sin. Amen. Part of the reason why we do it four times a year, amen, just to keep our hearts right. Now, you shouldn't just take the Lord's table, amen, but we all battle sin, but there's a difference between battling it and harboring it. So we, you have Isaiah 59, 2 there as well. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God that he will not hear you. So, harboring sin. How about number three? Uh, Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. Again, I, I think this one really goes with pride. It, it really does. It's, it's kind of the companion uh, to pride. But what's something that can hinder our prayers from being heard is Proverbs chapter 21, verse 13. It says... Uh, Proverbs 21, 13, it says, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Say, what is that? I, I just put this down. A hard heart toward those who are less fortunate. A hard heart. Listen, we know there are scammers out there. We know there are people that would bilk you blind. But there's also people legitimately hurting and suffering, and God wants us to remember that, but by the grace of God, there go I. Amen? And so he says, listen, if you, you consistently just stop your ears at their cry, you can cry, but I'm going to do this. Now think about that. Amen? I think a lot of us miss that one when we go through our, you know, why God doesn't answer prayer list here. That's a big one. Really, just, just there's always somebody you could be a blessing to. There really is. Uh, uh, number uh, four, uh, Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. And there's a cross-reference over there in 1 John chapter 3. But Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 9. Disobedience to God's Word. What's it say there? It says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law... Even his what? Shall be abomination. That's a strong Bible word. That, that word abomination, I think we looked at that a little bit on Sunday night, didn't we? About the things that God hates. Boy, that's, that's strong. 
That says when, when we just say, yeah, God's word says this, but I'm going to do what I want, God says, that's abomination to me. Even his, and then we, then we say, now, Lord, please help me and answer this prayer and answer this prayer and answer this prayer. God says, no, 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 no. Again, read what it says. It's, it's such strong language. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. Very strong, okay? Disobedience to God's word. Here's an interesting one. Malachi chapter 1. And then we'll get into the New Testament here. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter number 1. You ought to do a little study of Malachi. It won't take you long. It's, it's only four chapters, but you ought to do a little study and just take your highlighter and mark the question marks. Because they question God and not in a good way. And they say here in verse number 7, uh, God says, Ye offer polluted bread upon mine altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And he goes on, he says, And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto the governor. Will he be pleased of thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord? Remember, God had given some very strict instructions as far as the sacrifice goes. It was to be the best you had, right? It was to be the best. It wasn't to be maimed, wasn't to have a, have a crook leg or whatever. Say, oh, I want to get rid of that one anyway. No, it was to be the best... You know what I, I call this right here? Offering unworthy service to God will hinder your prayers. Yeah. Offering unworthy service. And, and you know what that is? It's really serving God in the strength of the flesh and serving God going back to uh, point number two when we harbor sin. That's a polluted sacrifice. It's a polluted sacrifice. So offering unworthy service to God. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. <laughs> Don't you love Tommy? Yes. You know what I love even better? When Brother Tim rolls his eyes. Amen. That's just... <laughs> oh, amen. Amen. Can't wait to meet Tommy in heaven. Have a good long conversation with him. Amen. See? Amen. Matthew chapter 5. Look at verses 23 and 24. Here's a big one. It says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave thy gift before the altar, go thy way, first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come offer thy gift. You say, what's this, pastor? Unforgiveness will hinder your prayer life. Listen, every time I preach on forgiveness, I know I'm ringing the bell. You know why, Brother Lolly? Because I know I need it. I know I do. And I know we're all made of the same stuff. And we all have people that have hurt us, whether it be unintentionally or sometimes intentionally. But when we harbor unforgiveness in our hearts... God says, I'm not interested in your gift at the altar until you make things right. In essence, God says, 
You deal with the horizontal before you deal with the vertical relationships. Amen? How about Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. We got it there. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Look what it says there. It says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the what? Well, they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So that's the end of their prayers right there. You know what hypocrisy is? the, The term in the Bible, it means play acting. Play acting. Now listen, we've all been guilty of hypocrisy, haven't we? Come on now, be honest, you visitors from heaven tonight. We all put on a happy face when we weren't really even joyful on the inside. Not that happy. But this is a whole different type. This is the one who, you know, he, he, he shines his, fixes his tie and makes sure his coat and he cleans his teeth and he offers this super impressive prayer that impresses everybody but God. God God's not interested in impressive prayers. Hypocrisy will kill your prayer life. You know what God wants you to be? Just honest with Him. That's all He wants you to be. That's why, by the way, that's why He told you to go into your closet where you can be honest with Him. Amen? So, hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Uh, let's go to another one here. Um, boy, you know, I've, I forgot one. I forgot one. So, you have, what is that, seven? So, I want you to write down seven and a half. Amen? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot this one, amen. I just ha- I have to find it now, amen. I think I know where it is. I think it's in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Ooh, sorry, Brother Joe. That's maybe a bad cable or something. I'm not doing anything, amen. It's not rubbing against anything. Mark chapter 9. Ugh. No, no, that's all right. We're, we're close. 720, everybody just have to endure that for the next 10 minutes, amen? Like fingernails on the chalkboard, <laughs> amen? Mark chapter 9, verse 29. Look at it there with me. Remember, this was a story of the uh, man with the son that was possessed of a devil and the disciples couldn't cast him out, remember that? And what did Jesus say? They they came to him in verse 28 and they said, Why could not we cast him out? And he said said unto them, This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. So the implication there is sometimes we don't get our prayers answered because we don't fast. It's prayer and fasting. Okay? Okay? So that's uh, seven and a half on your, uh, your page there, amen. Then let's go to number eight. Number eight, that's in James chapter one. I think we've got uh, two here in James. James chapter one, so towards the back of your Bible. Ms. Karina, are you looking at your cheater tabs, amen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, all, we always talk about that in Sunday school, amen, about the, the cheater tabs, amen. Yeah, I'm working. Oh, you forgot it. Amen. It's all right. You got, got it on the phone. The ultimate cheater tab, right? Amen. 
I just use my cheater tab to look up fasting. So there, amen. Oh, James chapter 1. Great, great verse here. Verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. So, forgive me, right? I had double-mindedness, James 1.5, if you'd add dash uh, to 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So, here, that, that person who's asking, but he's kind of like, well, you know, God, I don't know if you're going to or don't or what. Or, and he says, look, don't, God's, not, God's not listening to that prayer. You have to come to God believing He has wisdom. He desires to give it to you and believe. Amen? He, he said... Listen, I'm not upset when you ask me for wisdom. Forgive me. If I could be so bold, I'll move away from the pulpit. God says, I know you need it. We all need it. So just ask and believe instead of saying, well, I don't know if he's really got the wisdom or not. Well, he's not hearing that prayer. How about uh, James chapter 4? James chapter 4. Of course, we know uh, verse number 2. We know we have not because we ask not, but that's, that's not an unheard prayer. That's an unspoken prayer. Amen? But look at verse number 3. Ye ask and receive not. That means God's, God doesn't answer that prayer. Why? Because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. What kind of prayer is that? That's a prayer of selfishness. Selfishness. God, God doesn't hear the prayer of selfishness. I'm going to tell you something, and I'll be, I'll be uh, just personally honest with you. Praying through my wife's cancer has been very difficult. Because I know what I want, Brother Ken. That might not be what God wants. That's, that's the hard part. And I don't, I don't think that's being double-minded at all. It's simply saying, listen, God, your will, your will. Not my selfish will, amen? I, I know me. Uh, so uh, we talked about, if you go there to uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, we looked at that one, but let's look at it again. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 7. Likewise ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. I know what some of you are thinking right now. You think of that, that book of knowing your wife that's like this big, amen, and you're about this far into it, amen? That's all right. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I understand. But we do get to know our spouses after the years, praise God. And it says, dwell with them according to knowledge. And I like this too, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel. I don't care what society says. Men and women are different. They, they are Physically, it's what it's talking about here, the physical weaker vessel. I'll tell you what, I always love it. I love it when a, a strong, manly husband gives honor unto his wife. Like the Bible says. And you could tell she's honored. I remember hearing the old routine years ago that Jerry Clower did. 
And he, he said he met the, what did he call it? He, he called her the she-coon of all feminists. <laughs> Brother Lolly knows her name, man. And he said, he said she, they, that she was talking about the rights of this and the rights of that. And he talked about his wife. He said, Mama, don't, mess, don't want you messing with the deal that she made. Amen. And I think about that. I think about that's just a, a, a good godly husband will give honor unto his wife. I said to Brother Merrill and I were talking today, I said, you know what? In 27 years of marriage, my wife and I have never yelled at each other. And Brother Stark, you know why? Because that's on me. It's up to me to give her honor. There have been times, I'm, I'm not going to say there have been times where we didn't raise our voices a little. But we never quite got to yelling. And especially our kids have never heard us yell. Never. Unless it was, hey, get inside. That's different. Amen. Give honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel. And then it says, why? Because when we do that, we're making sure that our prayers don't get hindered. Forgive me, husbands. I've got enough problems with one through nine myself without adding to it with ten. You understand what I mean by that? Like, i got enough trouble with me, then if it's, it's giving honor unto my wife is a pretty simple thing. Treating her the way she ought to be treated is a pretty simple thing that keeps my prayers from being hindered. Amen? So important. So important. How about this last one? Number 11. Number 11. Oops. Here we go. 1 John chapter 5. And look at verse 14. This is really what I was just mentioning there. It said, And we know that He hear us. Well, if you, or I'm sorry, verse, verse 14. It says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. So, so this is just kind of a, a play on the, the verse here. So if prayers that are heard are in the will of God. What are prayers that aren't heard? Those are self-willed prayers. Those are the ones that I want because I want them. And it, it ties into selfishness as well. But here's something important, uh, folks. Go back, if you would, to 1 Peter. It's probably a couple pages back here. 1 Peter chapter 3. Right after we got done there with the, your prayers be not hindered, one of the greatest passages of Scripture, verses 8 through 12. It's just tremendous. You ought to read it. Uh, it's, it's great for a family. It's great for a church family. Verse 12 says this, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Okay, and again, that's you and I that have the righteousness of Christ. We're not perfect, but this is who it's talking about here, us. And look what it says after that. And his ears are open unto their prayers. So I have a, just a note here. God wants to hear and answer your prayers. He wants to. Remember what he said all the way back in Jeremiah 33, verse 3? Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask, and ye shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that knocketh, uh, find, or he that seeketh findeth, he that knocketh it shall be open. God wants to answer our prayers. So 
I have this last note here, and I want us to go to these verses. You're in 1 Peter, so just go over to 1 John. Thought about maybe preaching on this, these verses on Sunday. I'm not sure just yet. Pray for me. Hindrances to prayer are washed away when we confess to God. They're washed away. Now, you've got to be honest with God about it. Amen. I, I Listen, I'll be very frank with you. I had to do that today in my life. I had to go honestly to God in my closet and say, God, this is sin, this is sin, forgive me of this. You said this, I did this, you're right, I'm wrong. That's, that's confession. Yeah. Amen? It just is. We don't have any little sliding door around here. I sit behind with my little pie chart of sins and what, what do this, do no, none of that. You confess to God. Here's what it says, verse 7. It says, 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and here's this word again, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, every time you go to God with that stubborn habit that you have, that stubborn sin that just seems like you can't break free of, Every time you go to God and you say, and I'm talking about true, true repentance, true godly sorrow, and you say, God, please forgive me of that, cleanse me, and you do. He forgives you and cleanses you. You come to him, let's say, four or five days later with that same sin. You say, God, I, I've done this again, and God says, again? No. See, to you it's again. To God it's the first time. Hmm? See, Mr. Merrill, if you wouldn't talk out of turn, you'd let me finish, amen? Oh, I'm not as intelligent as you. <laughs> if you just wait for the punchline, Brother Bill, amen? But really, look at verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So you know what? When you go through this laundry list here, and really, isn't it, isn't it our own laundry list? Pride. Harboring sin, a hard heart toward the less fortunate, disobedience to God's word, offering unworthy service to God, unforgiveness, hypocrisy, double-mindedness, selfishness, strife in my marriage, self-will. You know what? I have to go to God and say, God, forgive me of my sin. Yeah. Then you know what? Forgive me. The door to heaven is open unto our prayers. So, I hope you'll take this list, maybe put it in your Bible, like Brother Horse did all those years ago. It's a, it's a good thing. Maybe, maybe put it in your prayer journal. So, Do I have any of these things in my life, Lord? Because you know what? And we'll talk about this as we get deeper into these lessons, is one of, one of the parts of prayer is confession. It ought to be really the first part. Start right there. Even I could say adoration may be the first part. God, you're wonderful, you're lovely, but... Uh, confession, obviously, before supplication, because otherwise right. our prayers aren't being heard. So, hindrances to prayer tonight, exclusions of prayer. Father, bless now.